A note before we begin. We are a middle school putting out a podcast, and we know how that sounds, and we know that we're competing for your attention. You may only give the show a 30-second listen. So if you do, we'd like to use that time to remind you that communities, including our Henrico community, are still reeling from the COVID-19 pandemic, and that you can help. If you are able to make a monetary donation to support the most vulnerable families in the Henrico community and keep our shelves stocked, please consider visiting henricogives.org COVID-19 to make a donation through the Henrico Education Foundation. That's henricogives.org COVID-19. And thank you. This is the Fairfield Forum. The audio that you're about to hear was recorded on December the 6th, 2019, in person at Fairfield Middle School. That day, our guest was the superintendent of Henrico County Public Schools, Dr. Amy Cashwell. We would like to begin our forum with the Pledge of Allegiance. So at this time, please stand and place your hand over your heart. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. The Fairfield Forum is a student-centered speaking program at Fairfield Middle School. Each month, the forum will present community leaders from a variety of backgrounds to speak to our student body. The theme of our talks is for our inaugural season is excellence. Today's program, our first, is the combination of tremendous work and support from the Fairfield and Henrico communities. Before we begin, we would like to thank those who have helped make this forum possible. Firstly, firstly, we would like to thank our principal, Dr. Gibson, for his support in this project and his challenge that we will follow Dr. Cashwell's vision for excellence here at Fairfield. We would like to thank our community sponsors, Lowe's of East Richmond, Smart Mouth, and the Richmond Forum, especially Sandra Willard, the Director of Student Programs at the Richmond Forum for their donations of resources, money, experiences, support from our community partners is proof that learning at Fairfield is truly community supported. <laughs> we'll also like to thank our guests in attendance today from Henrico County Public Schools Central Office. Your support is crucial and very much appreciated. Fairfield is also very grateful for Andy Jinks, Ms. Renee Stewart and HCPS TV Services for their professionalism in helping coordinate this event. <laughs> Finally, a tremendous thank you is in order to the teachers, students, and administrators of Fairfield. Please give yourself a round of applause. <laughs> Those in attendance also include our student ushers, our wonderful band, the Eighth Note, 
our SCA ambassadors, our microphone usher, our photographers, and our green screen supervisors. Please give these true student leaders a round of applause. And now to our speaker. Dr. Amy E. Cashwell became superintendent of Henrico County Public Schools in July of 2018. Before becoming superintendent, Cashwell was chief academic officer for Virginia Beach Schools Department of Teaching and Learning. She oversaw a number of departments, including those dealing with instruction, instructional technology, student support services, exceptional education, and opportunity and achievement. She joined Virginia B Schools in 1998 as a teacher before becoming an assistant principal and principal. She assumed the role of chief academic officer in 2013. Since assuming the role of superintendent in 2018, Dr. Cashwell had led, has led the county in revisiting our division's literacy plan, staffing schools with more literacy leaders, aligning our curricula to the deeper learning model, and providing more professionalized learning paths. You can view the division's progress by checking out Amy's passport, which documents Dr. Cashwell's travel across the, our diverse county and lays our, out a vision of excellence for Henrico County. Cashwell is an alumni of Longwood University, where she earned a bachelor's degree in liberal studies and education. She, learned a she earned a master's degree in education administration and supervision from the George Washington University. Cashwell also earned a doctorate from George Washington in Education Administration and Policy Studies. She originally from she is originally from Virginia Beach. Dr. Cashwell is our foremost very first speaker. It is in fact her vision of excellence for Henrico County Schools that inspired us to pursue a form program in the first place. It is honored that she will join us first as we build a culture of excellence here at our own Fairfield Middle School. Our program will be begin with Dr. Cashwell speaking to our moderator, Mr. Lapers, followed by a student-led question and answer session. So at this time, please give a warm welcome to our first and ever Fairfield Forum speaker, our superintendent, Dr. Amy Cashwell. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Cashwell. Thank you. Thank you for the kind greeting. Kaya, you did wonderful. All right, Dr. Cashwell, welcome. You were hanging out with us earlier, getting to know a lot of our students. What do you think? Oh, well, I've been to Fairfield before, and this is such a great place. Uh, the students here are tremendous, and, and the faculty and staff as well. So it's great to be back, and I'm really honored to be a guest um, in this inaugural Fairfield Forum. Our first ever. Thank yeah, you. Fantastic. Last time the stage was used was last uh, Tuesday, I think, and it was the talent show, and it was rocking. So. We've got to bring the, uh, the noise up here. Oh, lots morning. of talent. Well, I'm telling you, the talent of the band that warmed us up this morning, wow. Yeah, absolutely. It was All really right. awesome. How about one more time for the band? That was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, we, we gave programs out to all of our students and guests, and on the inside, uh, we highlighted, uh, or we spotlighted one of the six C's of the HLP. And we're, for, for you, we selected Critical Thinker, because based wow. on our research, we thought Critical Thinker might, uh, uh, you might best identify with. Did we get it right? I mean, do you think you're a critical thinker, is there, did we get it wrong? Well, I'm always striving to uh, hone my critical thinking, but um, I definitely would characterize myself as a thinker. Okay. Uh, that's definitely a forward-leading attribute when it comes to tackling any situation. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, Part of being a critical thinker, I mean, the experiences that you have 
probably help you make decisions and all. Um, how many schools would you say you go to in a week or a month? <laughs> That's a tough one. So um, I'd say probably it could be a dozen a week to maybe just four or five, but I try to be at a school every day at Wonderful. least one time. Okay. So. Yeah, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. And do those experiences help form your thinking? Absolutely. So I think when you're thinking critically, you're drawing upon knowledge you already have, knowledge you're sometimes in the process of gaining and um, trying to think about things you've yet to even think of and draw upon the knowledge of others. So to be a critical thinker um, doesn't only mean you're tapping into your own thinking, but leveraging what you're learning around you. So. Mm. Yeah. So for those of us at the forum today, this might be an experience to learn from as well. Um, so uh, we talked with our students earlier. Our theme, uh, you guys can shout this out. Our theme for our forum it begins with the letter E, everybody. It is excellence. Very good. Yeah, excellence. So Dr. Cashwell, we'd like to ask you, what does excellence mean or what does it mean to you? Well, certainly, I mean, if you think about the definition at its core, it's really this quality of being really great at something or outstanding. And um, so for me, uh, I think it means it's a way of thinking, it's a way of being, it sort of permeates everything you do. Um, and it's not something that's an end destination. I think for a long time I thought of excellence as this place you strive to arrive to and then you're there. It's like, whew, okay. I'm achieving at the excellent level and I can sort of rest now, but you begin to realize as you go through life that excellence is uh, a forever quest, right? So excellence today might be making the team, tomorrow it might be being the most valuable player on the team. It's this constant quest to be the very best situationally in whatever your situation or circumstance is, um, and it's, it's a belief in yourself that you can achieve. Um, greatness at whatever you're doing. And, and I also think uh, it's, it is that mindset, as I alluded to, um, not this destination. It's an ever-evolving state of being. And it's um, really realizing that excellence is for everyone. Excellence is something that is attainable for everyone sitting in this room today. And um, my early definitions of excellence, you know, in my mind, I, I had it reserved for other people, not myself. People who seem to be incredibly talented at sports or very giftedly um, academic, that academic excellence was for them, or excellence in sportsmanship was for other people, and I often thought, well, what does that mean for me? Um, but you begin to realize that excellence permeates all we do, so I think, um, there's a quote attributed to Dr. Martin Luther King that goes something like, you know, he was reflecting on him, his own being and said, you know, um, if I can't be great, at least I can be great at small things or I can do small things in a great way. And I think that's what excellence means. Wonderful. You actually answered a lot of the questions that I had in, in just okay. that, but I'm going to ask them later anyway. Out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, my next question was, do you, do you think that uh, excellence is something you are born to do, like, le like being born a leader? Or do you think it's a choice that you make, or do you think something else explains excellence? I definitely think it's a choice. It's a mindset. It's, it's something that um, once you believe in yourself and set excellence as a bar, it's something you're always working towards, um, and it's something that is fluid over time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's um, there, you know, and as I said, even achieving what is excellence today may look different tomorrow. So constantly goal setting and thinking about um, and reflecting, a lot of reflection on what does it mean to be the best at or to reach the pinnacle of whatever it is you're working on. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. 
Okay, um, so we are, we're represented here. Sixth, sixth graders, show of hands, sixth grade. Seventh grade, okay, sixth grade, hand down. Seventh grade, okay, and eighth grade. Ooh, nice, that's a pretty even split. Yeah. Dr. Cashwell, you went to middle school in Virginia Beach schools, is that correct? Uh, I part in New York City public schools, okay. and then um, ninth grade was actually part of middle school, it was a junior high in uh, Virginia Beach. But yes, to answer your question, a little bit of time in New York City public schools and also uh, in Virginia Beach. Okay, so take us back. You're in, you're in middle school. Mm. Little Dr. Cashwell, she's running around with all her middle school friends. <laughs> would, uh, would your classmates back then look at you now and say, yeah, super, she was pretty super intimidating when, uh, you know, when she was in middle school. That sounds right. Probably not. Okay. And oh. and maybe uh, first of all, little Dr. Cashwell was nearly six feet tall in, in that in junior high, <laughs> as tall as I am today. So, um, and that was something. Uh, actually, I think because of that, I always tried to sort of shrink in a crowd. And so um, my my physical presence also often made me uncomfortable mm -hmm. as a young uh, adolescent. And. And so um, I don't know if it was a combination of that or my own confidence in myself. Again, I used to see excellence as I'd see, wow, these other people are so great at academics. That's not really me. I'm not the best writer. I struggle in math. Um, I, despite my height, don't play basketball well. That's not for me. Gosh, you know. Uh, I sort of uh, think I was still really trying to find my way. And because I didn't feel like I was really outstanding at anything, um, I think I sort of probably uh, sort of was one of those in the back of the room. Now, I hope, though, in my interactions with people, I, uh, even at that age, uh, always treated others with dignity and respect and, and tried to be a friend to everyone. So um, in that, and I, that's something I think I lead with as superintendent today is making connections with people and, and treating others well. So I hope in that way they wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But they might be surprised um, to see me leading a large organization. All right. Uh, yeah, you coming in and speaking to our students first thing was just really wonderful. I know they enjoyed that. Oh, as um, did I. So uh, you said that you thought that you know being being outstanding or excellence was for other people. I'm really interested in this question. Was there a pivotal moment in your life that had it not happened to you, you could very well think that you might not have chosen this career? or you might not have chosen excellence. It could be um, an experience that happened once, or a relationship, or a conversation, mm -hmm. or something. Was there a pivotal moment that you could draw a line to yeah. and say, that, that's kind of why I'm here? It's probably a combination of moments, but as I reflect, I think one of the first was in fourth grade, um, and that was my teacher, Mrs. Dimson, and I tell this story a lot. So I had caring adults who believed in me, or saw excellence in me, and while it surprised me at the time, it sort of ignited me to think, oh, well, maybe I can do, maybe I can achieve. And, and she um, I, was one of the first teachers I ever had who I felt saw me, understood me, and was able to say, hey, this is something you're excellent um, about. And I see leadership in, in you, and I, I see these traits, and why don't you think about ways to, to hone those? She suggested, um, you know, you're really creative, and you're always thinking, you know, we don't have a yearbook at our elementary school. That's something I bet you could head up. Like me, you know, I was like, head up a, but I did. And so she believed in me. I found a little success there. And then a number of other um, caring adults and teachers, mostly teachers along the way, um, really helped 
build my self-confidence and, and put me on what I think is a path to believing in myself and achieving excellence, but also drew me to education. I, certainly the reason I um, aspired to, at some point, be a fourth grade teacher so that I could um, have that same kind of impact on young people that um, Mrs. Dimson had on me uh, back in public school 26 in New York City. So yeah, it was wow. definitely one of those moments. Yeah. When did you recognize that it was, that that moment was so pivotal? Like, did it occur to you when you were in middle school that, uh, you know, this teacher is taking a real interest in me, or was it maybe when you uh, went to college and then you reflected back and that's when you realized that was the moment? It was definitely later on. I think as I was entering college and beginning to think about what am I going to major in, what am I going to do when I leave here, and decided to... Um, go down the path of education, it, it was becoming clearer to me that those moments that seemed maybe insignificant at the time, those relationships that just seemed sort of part of life, we all go through school, we have different teachers, we have experiences, good, bad, and otherwise, but then I don't think it's till later that you realize, realize that each of those is shaping you in some way. It's preparing you for what's next. Uh, maybe a question for the adults out there. Any, uh, any adults have had a, a, an experience that they would call a pivotal moment in their life that had it not happened to you, you might not have uh, chosen the career you've chosen now? Any adults out there? Show of hands, visual beats. <laughs> okay, how many of that involved a teacher? Did any of those things involve a teacher? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a pivotal moment, didn't involve a teacher, but I certainly know there's just the, the stories where teachers make a difference that way. Um, a lot of times, others. Um, okay, let's see here. We'll do, I'll do a few more questions and we'll turn, turn the students on. Great. Um, when you pursue excellence, as you said, it evolves. So what was good yesterday may not be good enough tomorrow as your goals change. Mm -hmm. It strikes me with excellence, sometimes there's an unknown where you, you are putting yourself out there because you are striving for excellence. You're, mm -hmm. you're choosing not to stay in the back. You're choosing to, to stand out. Um, this could involve eighth graders um, applying to things like specialty centers or eventually going into colleges and you're putting yourself out there because you might get rejected. Mm -hmm. So how should we see rejection, mistakes, stumbling on our way to excellence? Is it worth the effort to put yourself out there even if it means um, you know, possibly not getting what you want as long as you are striving? That's a great question, and I think failure is something none of us enjoys, or this perception of what failure is. But I would say that risk-taking and stepping outside of comfort zones is part of the quest for excellence. It's part of climbing that mountain towards um, that excellent quality in, in whatever it is. And so um, I would say if you remember that excellence doesn't always mean winning. It doesn't always mean um, being in the number one spot or reaching the desired goal. It's being excellent in your character, in your grit and determination uh, towards whatever your goal at the time may be. You know, I think about um, this, this notion, um, you know, when I think about people who exude excellence and you can look to professional athletes and Fortune 500 leaders of companies and all those things, but you also don't have to look very far to see excellence um, around you. And so I'm thinking of an example um, that sort of went viral on, on Twitter and Instagram not long ago from right here in our backyard of two um, Highland Hi Springs High School uh, runners for cross country. And they were at a cross country meet. And so you'd think excellence at that meet would be winning, right? Being first to finish, being the winning team. 
um, but instead they were excellent for another reason. A, a, an opposing team member from another school fell on the course, a Freeman student, and these two Highland Springs High School uh, cross-country stars who could have well taken their team to what was perceived excellent, winning um, this cross-country meet, um, stopped in the race, and each girl took the other girl, and they lifted her up and made sure that she was able to get across the finish line, even though she had fallen. And so that's excellence of character, right? That's excellence in sportsmanship. It's not always excellence in the sense of being the winner or the first one or achieving that um, championship or goal or getting into that specialty center. It's that you embarked on the journey and you did so in a way um, that inspired confidence in yourself and, in, and for others in you, that's part of that journey towards excellence. Yeah, that's great. I, I had not heard that story. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, that was at Highland Springs. It Highland was, Springs. it was, wow. uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, and what, and what I'm hearing a lot is that um, you, trying to dispel the myth that you, you necessarily have to rise to be the president or be a senator or be a CEO of a company to exude excellence and so that was one of my one of my questions is you know, how like how high do you have to rise in order to make an impact in the world in order to be excellence I was thinking when I was watching Thanksgiving football the guy who when they go to the sidelines and there's the guy who sprays the water into the football players mouths and you know he, he's got a major job to do like he's got he can't miss the mouth and if he does you know all things could happen like it, the right. player could be dehydrated that could cause major problems for the team. So can you, um, can you be excellent in a job that's not, you know, the boss of a company, mm -hmm. um, just even, even in a school, even in, in some career that we might pursue later on? No yeah. doubt. I think that's a great example that, you know, it, excellence is not positional. It's not, again, reserved for the, the top leaders or the top athlete. Uh, the top thinkers, those who have notoriety, it's for everybody, it's for, it's for you. And you think about, you know, how can I exude excellence in the way that I'm a friend to others, in the way that I approach my schoolwork, and in, in the way that I um, interact with my family. I mean, any, in, in any way that you can, what are you doing to, to reflect excellence and to hone your excellence? I, I think that's something we can always be thinking of. Yeah, great, okay, well, we satisfied. We'll answer some student questions. That sounds I'm perfect. I'm excited. Okay. Love it. Um, so, Mr. Mr. Hunter Ford down there, are you ready? We have uh, everybody say hello to Hunter Ford. Hello, Hunter. Hi, Hunter. Yeah. Hunter, you want to turn it on? Make sure it is working. Hi. Uh, everybody test. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So we have our student uh, VIP question askers. Uh, basically, Dr. Cashball. This is a few weeks ago. Um, we did a little biography lesson into you, and we had hundreds of questions submitted that they would like to ask, and uh, these students who are sitting right up front are the students who's, uh, who has the most compelling questions, so we're going to turn it down to them. So guys, if you remember, just say your name, and then uh, go ahead and ask your question. Go ahead. Um, my name is Kennedy, and my question is, how did you manage to maintain the balance between demanding respect and being a leader and not being labeled as bossy? Uh, not being seen as bossy. Was that the, the end part of the yeah. question? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think in any interaction uh, that I have with anyone, I hope that, um, and, and this one's hard, especially for the girls in the audience. A lot of times, 
um, because of people's biases. They believe that when women are leading or girls are um, leading a situation that they can be bossy or controlling, but it's really leadership, right? But it should always be done in a way that's respectful of others, the ideas and opinions of others. So I hope that I balance this idea that excellence, that whether it's a team goal we're working towards is something where everybody's ideas matter um, and that you can direct a path or a course while still sharing some of that responsibility with others and getting everyone involved. My name is Paige. I was wondering, what's the problem do you think we need to solve the most? Hmm. In the world or in the school system or just? In the school system. In the school system. Uh, I think one problem we face, or a challenge I would say, is I think we can overcome this, is as we're changing as a society where information is like on demand all the time, anywhere, there's social media, email, all this. It seems like we have so much more information, yet I find in talking to students and our community members that they seem to have less of the right information or the important information and thinking about how do we communicate um, what we're about? How do we communicate and celebrate the good things that are happening in our schools and keep um, our community informed um, even though we're in this information age, I, I think that's something that we need to do better, and I struggle with how we'll do that, but it's definitely a problem I think we need to solve. Um, my name is Aiden, and my question was, was it hard to achieve excellence and becoming the first female uh, superintendent? Was it hard to achieve excellence becoming the first female superintendent? I think that, that sort of um, connects to part of my response in that other question about not being perceived as bossy. I think in any situation you enter, you know, you're going to encounter people who um, do have preconceived notions about you, maybe based on your gender, based on your race, based on your culture, based on your age. It could be any number of things. And so um, I think keeping true to who you are and not letting other people's um, ideas, opinions, or thoughts of, about what you might be like stop you from being who you are. And so I know um, when I was eventually looking to be a superintendent, I would encounter a couple people who would kind of be like, oh, you know, superintendencies are for people who can manage, you know, hundreds of million dollars in budgets and they're picturing, you know, this old businessman behind a desk, like you, you were an elementary school teacher, you know, how, how does that work? And so making sure that you don't let those preconceived notions stop you from what your goals and beliefs and dreams are. My name is Malagai, and my question is, are there different ways to be successful out through school? Are there different ways to be successful outside of school? Is that your question? Oh, no doubt. And I think um, this sort of goes to that idea that, you know, striving for excellence um, and maintaining excellence in all that you do means inside and outside of school. Excellence doesn't just mean great grades. Um, it, it means um, how are you in service to your community? Are you um, engaging in excellence outside of school in that way? How are you serving others? What are you doing um, in any aspect of your life with your friends? Um, being excellent in every way and all you do. It's, it speaks to your character and your character is something you take with you in and out of the school building every day and you're taking with you into life. And so you wanna always build that character. Hi, my name was Joseph. And was it hard to get the Jewish, Muslim, and Hindu minorities holidays slash days of worship? 
to be passed to the school board to get on the calendar for the new school year? That's an excellent question. So your question is about um, the, the two calendar options that we've got out and our school board's actually gonna vote next Thursday, but both calendar options um, recognize the major high holy holidays for at least uh, five of the largest religious groups in Henrico. And so your question is, was it hard to get that passed or for to, to put out to public calendars that way? And I would say, um, no, because it wasn't just an idea that Amy Catchwell, superintendent, sat in the room and said, we ought to do this. Now, I do believe that wholeheartedly, um, as a school community, we ought to best serve um, our families and our students and our community, and that means recognizing that we are an incredibly diverse community. We, we, we're proud of that, and we talk about how proud of that we are all the time in Henrico schools, but I say, what are we doing to honor and respect that? Um, so while that's something I personally believe, what I always try to do when making any decisions or putting ideas out is to listen. And I listened to our community and this was important to students. This was important to staff members. It was important to parents. And so um, every once in a while there's this intersection of things you kind of hope and want uh, for your organization and something that, the, that there's a, a current of hopes and wants that match and collide and you think this is the time for change and so this is one of those times with our calendar. So. Um, hi, my name is Ronald and um, my question was what issues about the county do you think that members of like the staff, parents and student have that you personally don't think are that much of an issue? An issue that is often elevated but is that I don't think is really an issue. One thing I hear about education a lot, sometimes from teachers and uh, other stakeholders and parents and just the community at large is that kids today um, aren't as bright as they used to be. They don't know how to talk to people because they're always on their phones and um, they're uh, watered down. And I say that isn't true. Uh, it's like this is like a mythbuster thing. It's not that I don't think it's an important issue. Uh, but, you know, I'm in classrooms all the time, every day, and I sometimes walk into classrooms at the high school and middle school level where kids are grappling with content around uh, incredibly challenging concepts. They're thinking criti critically, and I think, wow, this doesn't really match the experience I remember when I was in junior high or when I was in high school, and I'm blown away at the brilliance of our young people at their ability to communicate with their friends and others. So I think while the way our young people engage in learning may look different than what we're used to, and so some of the things that we're seeing may not remind us of what we think the hallmarks of deep thinking are or um, challenging work really is, um, I think it's happening in our schools and I think um, it's a, a myth sometimes that's perpetuated. And so I don't think the problem is that the curriculum isn't hard enough and that our kids don't know how to communicate. I think the real problem is that we have not adapted a lot of our educational programming and the ways we do business to meet the needs of our learners and to offer them opportunities to really show and highlight their ability to think and communicate. So kids these days, that's yeah. where needs, that needs to go. I think so. Okay. Yeah, from my experience. <laughs> my name is Taylor. Um, do you have any advice for kids who don't know what career they're interested in? I think it is perfectly okay if you don't know what career you're interested in. So my advice would be, um, you know, if to take away 
learning experiences and be reflective no matter what you're doing. So you know, many of you, I saw the eighth grade hands go up. You know, I talked to some of you coming in. You were thinking about specialty centers next year or what high school you would go to. Would you play a particular sport? What do you want to study? Um, you know, and worried about, well, what if I don't get into the specialty center? That's the pathway I want as a career or I don't even know what I want to do yet. So. You know, and, and sometimes when I ask what, what your plans are, people will kind of look like, oh, gee, I don't know. It's okay not to know. So if you find yourself um, on a path that you feel really sure, sure about now and you think this is my career goal, well, certainly um, go for it and, and learn along the way. But if you find out along the way that it isn't the path that you thought it was, it's okay to change. There is not... Um, one right way to do things. There's not one right pathway into any career field. Um, I think the options are more plentiful than they ever have been for young people with access to information virtually and in real life experiences. Just learn all you can wherever you are. And um, remember that it's not just about, you know, oh, I want to go into medicine or I want to go into law or I want to you know, do this particular thing. That kind of content you can pick up anytime you're ready, but the kind of content you're gonna need no matter what career, no matter what job you enter, no matter uh, what stage of life you're gonna be in are those, um, those attributes we sort of let off with those HLP ones, right? So we talked about critical thinking to lead off. Critical thinking, how can you be a thinker no matter what it is you're studying or learning, whether it's gonna be a career or turn out not to be a career? Are you taking um, opportunities to learn from experiences about what it's like to work on a team, right? So if you play on a sports team, um, those experiences you're getting there could prepare you one day for a career, even if your career isn't as a professional sports player, right? That's still a meaningful experience. So soak up all of those like essential life skills because they'll serve you well no matter what career path you wind up on. And that may change lots of times, and that's okay. My name's Samantha. My question is, how does it feel being a role model to women and girls? Well, I always am incredibly humbled to be um, a role model to anyone, but it particularly is important to me um, that, that young women, and girls especially, see role models in any kind of job, profession, or career so that they understand that um, the world really is wide open and that um, they, they too can achieve no matter what they, whether their goal is to be a superintendent or to lead any other organization, that, that women do lead. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Kiesa, and my question was, what made you want to come to Henrico out of all the other counties in Virginia? Well, now that I'm here, I recognize really how special Henrico is, and I, I definitely had a pretty good idea when it first got on my radar. So. I've been an educator in Virginia for a long time, and, and I think as was mentioned in biography, I'd been in Virginia Beach, which is about two hours away as a teacher, and um, worked there a long time. And you know, when you um, attend meetings and things across the state about education, I'd hear a lot about Henrico, and I'd see Henrico teachers present, and I remember years ago when um, you know, Henrico was the first to have laptops, the first, like that was a novel idea. Now it probably seems like, well, it makes sense. Of course we have them, but at the time Henrico was doing it, nobody else was doing it. Just forward thinking, innovative, and um, you know, I thought there's so much excellence in Henrico, but what I also sense about Henrico is that 
um, the organization knows that there's still more work to do and that, it, that being innovative is constantly evolving and changing and it excites me to be a part of that kind of work. So that was one thing that really attracted me to um, Henrico County. My name is Serena, and my question is, what makes you different from all the other superintendents we've had? Well, we just noted that I am the first female superintendent, so that makes me different. But I hope that what will uh, maybe be different over time, and in no disrespect to any of our prior superintendents, all of whom have had amazing, excellent traits and left a lasting impact um, on Henrico County, and it's on their shoulders that I stand to be able to do uh, work in the community, but I would say, I hope it's that um, I'll have the ability to elevate student voice in a way it's not been elevated before. I think so much of what we do um, is only impactful if we're meeting the needs of our students, and I don't always think we ask students enough about what that looks like and how well we're doing in meeting their needs. So that's certainly been a goal of mine. It's one reason I'm out in schools a lot, ma maintaining that connection to students in the classroom and the work, the incredible work our teachers are doing every day. And so being really connected to what's happening in our schools and, and elevating student voice in a meaningful way, I hope will be a difference. Hi, my name is Kira, and my question to you was, what is your favorite thing to do on job? My favorite thing to do on the job, well, this would have to be one of the top experiences for sure, but anytime I'm interacting um, and hearing from our young people, I love to engage in discussions because as I said, I, I, there's rarely a time I walk away that I don't go, wow, you know, they're so insightful, they're so brilliant, they're such good thinkers, they add so many perspectives I'd never thought of. We have a group of high school students that are equity ambassadors, so when you get into high school, this would be something for you all to think about potentially finding a role in, and, and we come together, there are 10 from each high school, and talk about, um, you know, we imagine what equity issues are as adults in the system, but what does it feel like as a student? What do you see in your school community? And I listen to our, our young students brainstorm and talk about issues, and um, it's just, it's, it's so humbling, it's so energizing, and so that's my favorite part of the job, is getting to hear from, from our students. Hi, my name is Michael. My question is, other schools like in Richmond County have great lunches. I, I appreciate the hard work from Henrico County and our lunch workers, but is there a way that we could have improved lunch and or food? Oh, yeah, tough that's question. a tough <laughs> question, <laughs> yes, okay. So, so I hear you, and, and so <laughs> this is something I'm not hearing today for the first time, but certainly your enthusiasm and applause on that question tell me that this is a really significant issue that we need to work through. But um, I, you know, I see where some other school divisions are doing things that are pretty innovative, like the scratch cooking, and there's some school divisions that have hired like these master chefs to come in, and, and students from culinary programs in high schools are helping design recipes that are then served in the schools. And I know, like, you guys have a garden here that's tremendous, and I know there have been times that's been involved in some of your school meals, but I think we definitely have a long way to go in that area. There are some great examples um, that other communities have that hopefully we can leverage, but um, I hear you, and so we'll definitely um, keep pushing on that. I'll definitely push the school nutrition team to, to listen to our students and find a way to uh, make sure we're better meeting your needs. 
Yeah, and thank you for bringing up the Cornerstone Farm, too, and great question. How many of you guys have been out to the farm yet this year and actually picked beets or carrots or gone out with Mr. With, uh, Kyle? Hey, Mr. Kyle, why don't you stand up? He is our farm manager here. Everybody give a round of applause to Mr. Kyle. He's been working so hard. Every single, our goal is for every single student through our science classes yeah. to go out to the garden on a tour led by Kyle and actually pick carrots and, uh, and beets. And we had a wonderful hunger, uh, helping fight hunger event at the Fairfield Area Library. Um, so wonderful. Yeah, food, food is very much on the mind, but what, it's a unique, unique place we have here at Fairfield. That is, and uh, this notion of farm to table, right? So many of us go through a cafeteria line but aren't thinking about where food comes from or how it's grown or produced and, and what that can look like. So having your own garden might be a great entry point. But to your point, what does that look like for all Henrico schools? How do we create better meals, not just um, healthy but appealing and interesting? So great question. Good question. I think that exhausts uh, the questions that um, we had gathered from the biography lesson. So is, are there any students um, in the back who uh, maybe their question wasn't submitted, but they're, after hearing what you've heard, would like to ask a question right now in our last few minutes? We have a young man back there. You see him, Mr. Ford? It's OK if I call you Mr. Ford, honey. OK. What's your favorite food? That's a great question. I, I, really, I really love Greek salad. That's my favorite food. Yeah, I like lots of feta cheese and Greek dressing. Yep. Do we have lettuce in the garden? <laughs> no, sadly. It's a unique favorite food, but it's my favorite. Okay, guys, let's, let's turn the volume down. I think we've got time. We can, maybe, maybe we can do two more thoughtful questions, please. Two more thoughtful questions. Okay, all the way in the back. Why don't you stand up, say your name, and could you ask your question, please? Um, my name is Abby, and if you could change anything in all the schools right now, what would you change? I would change our instructional model so that we weren't learning content in silos. Like, we go to science class, we go to math class, we go to social studies. I would change to an integrated model where some of those were combined. And I know that happens some in our schools, but that's something I'd change. All right, uh, Mr. Ford, we'll we'll let you we'll let you choose here. We got time for one more compelling question. Oh, all those hands! You've got to make it. Lots decision. of hands. My name is Inaya, and um, why did you become a superintendent? That's a great question, and probably not for one particular reason. I told you why I got into education, because I had teachers who had a lasting impact on me, and I knew that I wanted to share that kind of impact uh, with students. And so becoming a superintendent, sort of the same reason. Once I got in the classroom, and I started seeing the impact that I could have working with a classroom of kids, I eventually became a principal and felt like, gosh, I can have an impact on a whole school. And then working in the central office, oh, this is what it feels like to work together as a team to, to help a whole school division get better. And I think that's um, sort of that ripple effect that led me to the superintendency. Wonderful. Okay. Well, um, Dr. Cashwell, it has been really wonderful uh, speaking to you. Um, the one thing we would like, because this, we have HCPS TV services out here, and we are, um, we're recording this for the teachers and students in the community who couldn't attend. So it's our right. intention to give this out to the students and everybody who couldn't attend so they can learn from it as well. 
not many people get an opportunity to, you know, put on tape, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. He used to say, he used to do this thing where he would say, um, let's all take a minute or let's all take 10 seconds to remember the people who loved us into being the people who we are now. So now this is being recorded forever and always. Is there anybody who you'd like to, uh, who do you like to uh, shout out as, as being influential in the person who you became today? Oh, so many. Well, I've already and shouted take your out. Time. Take your I've time. already shouted out Mrs. Jensen. She's usually uh, on my short list, but I think it would also it would be my mother, and um, you know my mother is an incredibly resilient person. Who um, you talk about having a number of career paths and jobs, and I watched her. Um, do anything from being an entry-level secretary to then finding herself a single mom and working through taking on um, other jobs and going to school and eventually being um, a female police officer in, in the Norfolk Police Department in urban setting and always being excellent at, no matter what it is, whether it was what we per perceive as a small role or a big role. And eventually um, she served as one of the deputy chiefs in uh, Norfolk Police, as one of the first females to do that. Wow. And uh, in fact, I was just browsing at albums the other day and I saw a really old picture from the 90s of her working on the, the homicide uh, division. And at the time, you know, I was still pretty young. I didn't realize how amazing that was, but when I came across the picture and I looked and saw everyone else in the picture and then there was she. Uh, the only female in the picture, and doing what had to be incredibly challenging work, serving the community in that way. Um, but she did it with a smile every day and somehow still cooked us dinner and checked our homework, and I, I have no idea how she did it. A, a, an amendous, a tremendous, amazing woman. So, yeah, yeah definitely she uh, loved me through it all and did so in a way that she was always such an amazing role, role model. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Family tradition. That's right. Yeah, okay. Um, well, that is gonna that is gonna do it for our forum, Dr. Casper. We are so so thankful that you are here Thank for us. Thank you for having me. Is that better? Uh, so, Dr. Cashwell, um, we have we have a gift for you, don't we, Kaya? So you can bring uh, that out before you before you leave. How about one more time for Dr. Cashwell, everybody? Thank Kaya? you. Fairfield Forum is made possible by the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders of Fairfield Middle School in Henrico County who make up the Forum team and, of course, our student audience. The Forum team is made up of about 35 student leaders, and they all hold jobs from delivering our opening remarks to being photographers to aisle ushers, our microphone usher. Students on the Forum team designed our logo, and other students are moderating our website. We could not do the forum without our student leaders, and we miss them. Our logo was designed by seventh graders Shayla and Nevea. It was digitized by Tiana at Highland Springs High School. Original music produced by First Place Rich by Ed Henderson Jr. Loyalty over wealth records. Thank you to the Fairfield administrative team, Madi Dublin for some major help with the audio, and Dustin Glasgow for helping us film for Henrico TV Services. You can find video of the forum on YouTube or on Henrico TV Services Channel 99. I'm Nick Lapris, Innovative Learning Coach at Fairfield Middle School, and thank you for listening.